The results from my poll are in, and the majority of you want to hear how a recession will affect the industrial real estate market. To get some answers, I called the three smartest economists I know to get their thoughts on it. After we hear from these three experts, I'll also present some facts from one of the largest industrial markets in the world, going all the way back to 1996. And lastly, I'll provide my thoughts and opinions as both a broker and an investor. While the debate rages on about whether or not we're in a recession, or even what the definition of a recession is in the first place, one thing we can't dispute is that central banks all over the world are deliberately engineering an economic slowdown. It seems a bit obvious looking back on it, but after a couple years of aggressive money printing, we're now facing troublesome inflation. And to curb this inflation, the strongest arrow in the quiver of central banks is to increase interest rates. Whether or not we could have seen it coming, rising interest rates are here, and it's important to have a game plan on how to navigate this terrain. As always, opinions are all over the board on where we currently stand. Some are predicting this monetary policy will lead to the worst economic downturn we've ever seen, while others are saying this will be a soft landing. But let's jump into the answers I got back from three of my favorite people in the real estate industry. I asked Peter, Casey, and Todd all the same question. How will a recession affect the industrial real estate market? And here's what they had to say. Well, obviously, there'll be, if you had a recession, there are going to be fewer boxes, right? Whether they're televisions, whether they're shirts, whether they're shoes, there'll be fewer boxes temporarily people will be purchasing. That pretty much happens every recession. The Remember, the 2020 was in a data sense a recession, but it was something, it wasn't an economic recession. It was a socially imposed recession. So it became very odd. But if you think about normal, if there is such a thing, normal recessions, um, people get nervous. Uh, some people truly lose purchasing power, right? Some people lose jobs. But even those who don't lose jobs um, get nervous. You know, if um, I start hearing that they're laying off, it, maybe they're going to lay people off or whatever. A couple of companies will go out of business. I'll come back to that. And so people just forestall buying stuff. They don't forestall buying Cheerios. They might buy the house brand of Cheerios, but they're not going to. So those kind of boxes still get stored. It's the durable boxes, right? The durable goods boxes, um, the Playstations, the televisions, the, you know, the refrigerators, the uh, uh, kitchen appliances, those kind of boxes, the home improvement boxes full of sinks and bathroom fixtures, that kind of stuff. Those are fewer boxes. And I know not everything in a warehouse in industrial space is a box, but, you know, disproportionately they're boxes, way disproportionately. So, yeah, it would slow demand. If it's not a deep recession, what it would do is um, companies that were expanding would pause, right? Do I... I Think about it. I've, I've got my warehouse, I'm, my leased warehouse space, I'm 90% full. But I, I think in the next couple of years, while my lease still has three more years to run, I'm planning on filling out that space, right, as I grow into it. 
And, and so I'm starting to think maybe I need a bit more space as my lease comes due. And when a downturn comes, you basically say, I went from being 90% use of my space to 86% or 82%. And you say, well, there's no rush. There's just no rush to figure out. Remember also that what happens in a downturn is you walk backwards. You know, it, it's, you gotta, the way I think about it is you're walking forward, let's say two steps a year with demand growth. And now a recession not only stops that two steps a year growth, you walk backwards for two steps. What's your personal prediction on what the next six to 18 months look like then? I still think that we grow. There's no doubt that things have slowed. I think we're in them, but they're still growing. I mean, we're still adding jobs. We're still adding lots of jobs. We still have high retail sales. We still have high industrial output growth. Um, Yes, GDP has shrunk in real terms for the first half of the year. It shrunk in the first half of the year as we added 2.4 million jobs. I mean, as industrial output rose 4%, as retail sales were at all-time highs, even adjusting for inflation, as profits were at basically all-time highs, adjusting for inflation. And so I just don't see the economy is still below where it would have been if the pandemic hadn't happened. Probably two to two, two to three percent of GDP, probably um, two and a half million jobs short of that. Um, industrial output is still probably two percent short of where it would have been had it not been for the pandemic. Um, yes, there's inflation. But what people tend to forget is for everybody paying for higher inflation, somebody's receiving that money. It doesn't disappear. If you listen to the kind of discussions, it's almost like, well, it disappears. I pay it and it's gone. Well, it's gone to me, but it's not gone to the system, right? Somebody else gets it and moves forward. Well, the uh, the good news is it won't be as bad as office <laughs> or retail. <laughs> um, it's it's really kind of one of those. It depends. It depends on the geography and it depends on the asset type. So, as you know, I'm in this camp that we're remaking our supply chain from one that's West Coast concentric moving to the East Coast to one that's more North South. So, if you're more in the North South geography, connecting from Canada down to Mexico with the you know five and six class one railroads. Uh, that's where the logistics infrastructure is, our, our ports in the Gulf, our ports in the Southeast. Uh, work, uh, workforce and site selection is following like mad that workforce um, migration and site selection. You look at the announcements by, you know, Toyota in, the, in the, uh, Raleigh-Durham. You look at VinFast. You look at uh, Toyota Mazda, Mercedes, Hyundai, SK batteries, you know, uh, Remington firearms, they're all just a big funnel. They're coming right down, you know, from the Great Lakes region down into the Gulf and South Atlantic. And so if you're in those regions, I don't see any slowing. You know, we, we're in touch with a lot of the merchant developers and the tenants and 
FedEx is moving like mad on new ground operations. Amazon, even though they overbuilt, uh, they're still keeping on to their um, hugging their really good sites and actually you know doubling down to keep people from getting their good sites. Um, Home Depot, Lowe's, the big box retailers that are making it, they're building more e-commerce facilities. You know, you can look at Tractor Supply in places like Little Rock, Arkansas. You can look at Nucor. You can look at the, you know, the Inland Empire of Florida, which is that, you know, uh, Central Florida, um, you know, a corridor between Tampa and Orlando. But those are doing very well. And I think we'll continue. But I think it's going to be a bifurcated situation when you look at West Coast, Northeast, where it's more expensive. The taxes are high. You can't get diesel. Uh, the workforce is leaving for affordability. So um, it, it has to grow strong overall because what we're doing is we're, this is a watershed event where we're moving from, you know, physical, you know, buy and take home to everything e-commerce and online. And so, you know, give you an example, like, I won't give the specific names, but at least three major retailers have shared with me for every new e-commerce facility that they can open, they can close about a hundred retail stores. And so that model is very, very compelling as to why they're going to grow e-commerce and, you know, why they want to wean us off. It was just like parking garages. You know, when's the last time you saw a parking lot attendant? <laughs> when's the last time you're going to see a real person checking you out at the, at, you know, at the grocery or other store? So I think, you know, long range, we're going to continue with, with the costs and other issues. The structure continue to go. The capital wants to be an industrial multifamily. So you got capital flowing into it as a favorite property type. You've got um, it causing efficiencies or allowing efficiencies to develop, you know, in retail and e-commerce and everything else that has to happen. So that that box does more, has more, will do more, and it'll become maybe more valuable. Well, I guess, I mean, the first thing we have to remember is when we hear that word recession, people tend to go straight to, you know, Mach 4 and think, oh, no, the world is is collapsing. I actually don't think uh, an uh, imminent recession in 2023 is going to be that severe. So that's something to keep in mind. It won't be anything like the recession of 2020, nothing like the recession of 2008 and 09. But there will be a pullback. There is going to be a correction. So what this means for industrial real estate, and I would say more generally real estate, um, you know, any kind of real estate, but it, it's probably not going to mean a huge downward correction. It will probably just mean a little bit of flatness. Now, the only caveat I would give to that is if in the months and years, you know, sort of in, in 2021 and 2022, as the pandemic restrictions have lifted, if the real estate price had gone way up, you're going to see a sharper correction downward. So it's always one of those things, you know, what goes up must eventually come down. But if your industrial real estate just kind of saw flatness throughout the pandemic and, and the post-pandemic, you know, recovery period, you're not likely to see that much on the negative side. So I think we should, you know, kind of keep this, this um, coming recession in perspective. It's not likely to be that severe. It is more of just kind of a reset that in fact, the labor market in North America really needs. And that means industrial real estate is likely to come through pretty good. Next, let's do a dive into Chicago's industrial market. I chose this particular city for a few reasons. One, CoStar has data going all the way back to 1996, which most notably includes the Great Recession. Chicago has roughly a billion square feet of inventory, and since it's not a port city, it doesn't have the same dramatic fluctuations in activity that markets like Los Angeles, Vancouver, or New York have experienced. So right now I'm looking at the market rent per square foot for Chicago, 
And I, again, I chose Chicago because we have data going all the way back to 1996 through CoStar. And most importantly, we can see what happened in the Great Recession. And that was the worst recession that I've personally been through. And you can see that as lease rates were rising up until 2008 or so, they peaked around $7 a square foot, at which point they dropped to a low of about $660. So even in the worst recession that I've personally been through, and it was called the Great Recession for a reason, the lease rates dropped less than 10%. And even after bottoming out, they went from a low of 662 all the way up to uh, about 1060 right now, uh, according to CoStar's data. And you can see the forecast that CoStar has is that they'll continue rising for the next five years. I always am a little cautious with these forecasts as there's so many factors and variables and we can't look at anything in a vacuum. But even where they are right now, they're $4 a square foot higher, uh, 70%, 80% higher than they were at the bottom of the recession. So even if we do see some drop off in the next six to 12 months, the, the economy and the fundamentals, I believe, are still quite strong. If we jump over to the vacancy rate for Chicago, again, you could see that as we were approaching the Great Recession, vacancy topped out about 12% in 2010 and it's been slowly declining since with current vacancy rates around 4%. So even if there is some pressure on the market, 4% is, is still going to be considered a landlord's market for the most, most uh, point. So I think that there's still room for that to even grow before it starts getting out of balance. Uh, I, I see Chicago, just using one example, that, that's a large market, still being a very strong market. And again, I see this being indicative of the larger market as a whole. But again, every market's going to be a little bit different. So let me know what you're seeing in your market, if it's following similar trends to Chicago, or if it's different uh, altogether. I'd love to hear what you're seeing in your market on this as well. Having worked in the industrial real estate industry for the past 18 years, I can share with you a few key observations I've had. First, recessions affect investors and businesses in dramatically different ways. Take a property owner who has had a long-term tenant and fixed interest rates. I have a property in my own portfolio that's exactly like this. It's a single tenant building and it's a very strong company leasing it. We also have a fixed mortgage that doesn't come up for renewal for a few years. So in theory at least, a recession that lasts a year or so shouldn't have any impact on this particular investment. And since there's a considerable amount of industrial properties owned by well-funded investors, the situation would have to become very dire before a large percentage of the market starts panicking. There will, however, be opportunities in respect to investors or businesses who are overextended or generally unable to weather the storm. But personally, I don't see this being nearly as bad as some doomsayers out there. Those who are thinking that things can't get any worse are about to get bitterly surprised by the economic downturn that has just started. And that leads to the next thing I've observed. Economic downturns are part of the business cycle, and as such, it means they're both inevitable and temporary. I say temporary because that's what I've experienced, and there's data to support this as well. With the average recession, going all the way back to 1945, this lasted 10 months on average. Now again, don't take financial advice from a guy sitting in front of his bookshelf, but personally, I feel we're going to experience downward pressure on the economy for the next 6-12 to 12 months. 
While others may point to factors that could make this much worse, personally, I think interest rates will keep rising until inflation is under control, and at some point, interest rates will actually start coming down again. Those who don't have holding power might be in for a tough ride as we traverse this rising interest rate environment, and of course, there's always the risk that the economy deteriorates and this turns into something more severe. But I have a long-term outlook myself, and I'm comfortable accepting the risk that comes with an investing in a dynamic and complex economic landscape. I also feel the risk of doing nothing and hoping to time the bottom of a market is also unproductive. Back to my earlier point, economic downturns affect investors and businesses in different ways. Those who feel the economy is crumbling will look to sell, and there will undoubtedly be scenarios where property owners are unable to sustain their debt if they struggle attracting tenants. On the opposite side are investors who embrace this quote from Stanford economist Paul Romer. Or Romer. I don't even know how you say his last name. But he said, a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. I'll end with a thought I had while planning this video. I don't know a single successful person who constantly thinks the sky is falling. It takes far too much energy to be consumed by this negativity, and a person's focus, which could be much better productively spent in other areas, is misdirected into this vortex of pessimism. That's not to say we should have our heads in the clouds and naively believe there aren't any economic pressures out there. It's just that we have little to no control over these scenarios. And instead of being a passenger on the plane, complaining about the turbulence, let's be the pilots and do our absolute best to get to the destination. I didn't really think that would turn into a motivational message, but watch out Tony Robbins. Having said all of this, I'm constantly searching for contrarian opinions to my own, so if you feel otherwise on anything I've said or disagree with me, please let me know in the comments, maybe we could have a dialogue on it. And thanks for watching. Catch you in the next video. That's why I say, don't get scared, get prepared. I mean, maybe you should get scared, but still get prepared. But, uh, I've been trying to tell people, look, you still got time to prepare. Don't sit around and wring your hands and try to figure out what should I shorten and go long on in the stock market. You know, there's one asset class that, that does well in really bad inflation. That's that's real estate, but it's residential, commercial. And look at the 70s. If you entered the 70s owning a house and you made it to the 80s, you were wealthy. And same with the commercial real estate. And, I think the same thing will happen here again, because with that kind of inflation, the next whatever you build, next warehouse, apartment house, it's going to cost 30, 40, 50 percent more than the one that you did five years ago. So go long in real estate and you can still touch it and hug it and you won't get a bad statement in the mailbox saying that it's worthless. <laughs> Love it. Okay, I'm going to diarize to uh, uh, touch base with you early November uh, to set something up for mid-November. Uh, I, I feel like I could chat with you all night, but I don't want to keep you any longer because I, I know it's Friday night for you. Uh, that was awesome. Thanks, Casey. I really do appreciate you making the time for me. Anything for you. We, 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 uh, we're there to help you and support you any way we can. So, by the way, anytime. Very much appreciate it. There's not many people I'll get on a Friday night for after this week. So, that tells you how good and how special you are. So you, It means a lot to me, Casey. It means a lot. All right. Take okay. care. Hope your weekend's okay. You as well. Thanks, Casey. Have a good Take weekend. Take care. Bye-bye.